Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome to the Portland Center for Spiritual Living. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you're most welcome here. All that we ask is that you stay open to changing your entire life simply by changing your mind. I'm Reverend Larry King, the senior minister here, and it's my great privilege to present to you today one of the parables of Jesus the Master Teacher. Today, I want to start off uh, with a meditation. I've created a meditation designed to, to have peace of mind in our hearts and in our minds. And so I'd ask you, if you're willing, just to close your eyes for a moment. Just sit comfortably. Just feel your feet on the floor. Notice your breathing. Just be in that place of calmness and peace. Today for our meditation, we're going to use our mind. We're going to use our mind as a time machine. Each of us has the ability to, to really go back in time using our memories and our thoughts. And today I'd like you to focus in on a thought from the past, a time in your past, when you felt completely supported. Now it could be as long ago as yesterday or it may have been a time when you were a child. But just scroll through your memories and find a time when you felt completely at ease, completely peaceful, and completely loved. Can you find that time? Go ahead and think for a moment. For me, there are several moments. I can remember a time when I was a small child riding in the back of my grandma's car, and we were off to a, a special day at the beach. I can remember another time when I was a new student at the University of Oregon, feeling all grown up and an adult and at ease with myself. Just think of a time, a perfect time in your life, when you were at ease, you felt supported, and you felt loved. So just notice what's going on in this time of your life. The people who are there, if any, the sights and sounds of this special memory. Was it a birthday? Was it a special occasion? Or was it just a quiet moment on your own when everything just seemed perfect? See if you can tease out all of the details of this time. What you were wearing, what the weather was like. Are you inside or outside? Just notice all of the little details that, that were going on when you felt this intense feeling of, of connectedness and love, of support. 
if you can, put yourself back in it right now. Feel the feelings. Notice the world around you. Sense your body in that time. Can you make it real for you right now? Just enjoy this moment in time. Know that you can always bring it back into your mind just as vividly as when it first happened. And don't worry if you don't get all the details, right? Sometimes our memory makes things even better than they were in real life, and that's okay. In particular, see if you can feel those feelings right now as though they were real. That love, that connection, that peace of mind, it's yours. You felt it then, and you can feel it now. Just a couple more minutes. Just enjoy this sense of feeling the love, feeling the connection, feeling the life around you. this time of recollection. Bless this sweet memory from our past. But also know we have the power to bring that memory into the present moment. At any time when we're feeling anxious, at any time when we're feeling lack or dismay, we have the power to bring up these feelings that we have felt before. And so gradually bring your awareness back to this room. Gradually become aware of the surroundings that you're in right now. Let go of that sweet memory for now. And I invite you again to open your eyes and join us here in the service. 
Well, this month we're using Irvin Seal's book, Learn to Live, and it's a, a new thought interpretation uh, of the parables of Jesus, the master teacher. And sometimes I get the question, well, well, Larry, you know, this was written 2,000 years ago, these parables. Do you really think that Jesus said those things? Do you really believe that we get an accurate idea of what was said over 2,000 years ago? And, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. I'll, I'll share them with you. First of all, of course, there were no tape recorders back then. There weren't even scribes that were writing down what the master teacher said. And so I would suspect quite a bit of the stuff in the New Testament may have been written by other people who only had a partial understanding of what Jesus was trying to teach. But I do think that the parables are a unique study because, as you know, uh, when you're talking to someone, you may not remember all the details of what they said, but if they tell a good story... If they tell a good joke, if they recite a poem to you, you're apt to pay more attention. And so the parables are a little bit like that. They're a very specific literary form. And, uh, and my thought is, if anything actually came down through the ages that would represent the teachings of Jesus, the parables probably would do a pretty good job of that. They're easy to remember. They usually have a plot twist, as we'll discover today. And I think you'll find it's, it's something that would be hard to forget. So for my input, I think the parables are perhaps some of the closest we'll get to the actual teachings of Jesus. Let's move on to the parable that I want to, to talk about today. It's called the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, and I'll read it for you. It's also available online. If you go to our homepage at cslportland.org, there'll be a link so you can read along with me if you like. So the master teacher Jesus in Matthew 20 tells of this particular case. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. About the third hour of the day, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So off they went. He went out again in the sixth hour, in the ninth hour, and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long, doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. Well, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, they expected more. But each one of them also received just a denarius. Notice the plot twist at the end, right? Everyone was paid the same. It reminds me of a joke, and I want to share that with you before we go on to our parable. I'm asking for a raise, the man said to his boss. I've been working here for a year, and it's time at least for a small increase. 
We don't give raises based on seniority, said the boss. Well, then I strongly ask for a raise, said the man. I'm now fully trained in all areas of this business. I'm the employee with the highest productivity. I deserve fair compensation. We also don't give raises based on merit, said the boss. Well, then I must insist on a raise, said the man. My employment is quite sought after. There are currently three other companies that are after me. Well, that finally did get the boss's attention. He narrowed his eyes at the fellow. Is that so, he asked. What other companies are after you? Well, the fellow frowned. There's the electric company, the telephone company, the gas company. They're all after me. And so back to the parable. What is this idea of fair compensation? Well, I think we ought to, first of all, think about how we analyze parables in general. In the science of mind, we teach that you can analyze the parable on three levels. First of all, there's the literal level, what actually happened. There's also the metaphysical level. You might think of that as the metaphorical level or the, the idea of the symbolism involved. And then there's also the personal level. What might we personally learn from the parable? So let's talk about the literal uh, interpretation of the parable first. First of all, you've got to know that 2,000 years ago, there weren't banks. And also, there was a tremendous disparity between people who were day laborers and, and owners of farms and such. And so at that time, typically people were paid every single day. And the going rate, the going wage, sadly, was typically just enough to pay for your family to eat. So you would uh, gather at the marketplace as a day laborer, hope that someone would hire you. You'd go and work all day long. And then before you would leave, the foreman would pay you a day's wage. And in this case of our parable, the denarius represented enough for a fellow to feed his family for one day. To not be out in the field could mean that your family would go without food for that day. Okay, so in the parable, it talks about the landowner coming back to the marketplace and hiring people throughout the day. And we might think, well, if they only worked half a day, wouldn't they only be paid half their wage? And of course, in the literal translation or the, the literal evaluation of the parable, that's true. And that's why the other laborers wondered, well, what's going on here? Why am I being paid the same amount as the people who came later in the day. So let's move on to the metaphysical interpretation. Now here the metaphysical interpretation of this parable is a little different. And the way we look at it is the standpoint of who are these different people in the absolute. First of all, you might think of the landholder as spirit itself. The landholder being God is inviting all of us to come and work for spirit. And by that, I mean anything that would bring about more love, more joy, more peace, more happiness, right? We each have a place in this world where our, our talents are valued. And ideally, we're bringing about a greater love or greater peace. Through our efforts, God gets God's work done in the world by highlighting different areas of abundance, of joy, and so forth. So does it really matter when we start more actively and more intentionally doing our part in the world? 
I think that's what the, the parable is getting at here. It doesn't matter whether as a small child or as an elder, we suddenly decide intentionally that we're going to do more on behalf of the planet, more on behalf of spirit, more on behalf of our fellow beings. Each of us, regardless of when we come to work, when we come to the idea of doing God's work in the world, each of us will be rewarded similarly. Doesn't matter who we were in the past, doesn't matter what we've done, doesn't matter what our age or our sex or our nationality, each of us, when we become more intentionally aware of who we are and what we do in the world, each of us rewarded equally. So let's move then into the personal evaluation here. You know, I think this particular parable is an interesting one because we can put our position, our personal position, in any one of the characters involved. Let's start by looking at ourselves as one of the day laborers. Regardless of who we are and what we represent, we can start today doing more of Spirit's work in the world, whether it's helping other families in need, whether it's just bringing joy to our own families and our neighbors, whether it's using our abundance to help other people who, who perhaps don't have as much as we do. Wherever we are, whatever our situation is, we can begin more creatively and more intentionally begin doing God's work in the world. But let's look at it also from the perspective of the landowner. Are you in a position where you might also go out into the world to seek collaborations with other people? You see, so much of what needs to be done in the world today can't be done by individuals. So much of what we do in the world today requires the collaboration of people. So like the landowner who went to the marketplace, to find people to help keep the vineyard up, might you be in a position of going to the world marketplace and finding collaborators, people who are willing to help and, uh, and willing to put together systems of organization that might solve some of the world's problems. Some of the main problems in the world, whether it be famine, whether it be global warming, whether it be pandemics that sweep across the continents, these are all things that a single person are really unable to do. But if you think of yourself as the landholder in the parable, you have the ability to involve the whole city, the whole world, in whatever it is that's important to you. Finally, think of yourself as the foreman. How might you specifically be able to make sure that people are getting enough to have their daily wage? You know, right now with people out of work, right now with, uh, with people sequestering at home, a lot of people's income is in peril. But I also know that some people are fine. Some people are working from home. Some people aren't experiencing any dip in their income. So how, like the foreman in the parable, might you be able to help others out with, uh, with food and, and things that they need to keep their family going during this troublesome time? Maybe it's expertise. Maybe it's uh, uh, advice on how to work at home. Just think about it. If you were that foreman in the story, how could you make sure that every person had what they needed to keep ends meet during this time? 
All right, well, let's talk about a, a summary and some homework that I have for you. We've talked about the parable for its literal, metaphysical, and personal interpretations. On at least two levels, it's a call to faith and action, right? The idea that we can be emissaries on behalf of spirit in the world, doing our part to bring more joy, more love, more peace, more happiness into it. Also, though, it's a, a call to action. What can we physically do during this troubling time to help our fellows to make sure that everyone has enough to get by during the troubles? On to the homework. So I'd like you to take your own personal take on the parable. I'm going to read it one more time and picture yourself in each one of the three roles, in the role of the day laborer, in the role of the landowner, and in the role of the foreperson. See how you might use this parable in your own life. Again from Matthew 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard to work. About the third hour he went out and saw others still standing in the marketplace. Perhaps that's you. Perhaps you have not thought of using the gifts that you have to be in service to spirit. So he told them, you go also and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And so I ask you, are you ready to take the challenge of making a difference in the world? Are you ready simply to bring more love and more light, more joy and more peace into this world, into this time of trouble? Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they asked. And so he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Today you're hired. You're part of the, the workers and the, the people of the planet bringing about more peace, more light, and more love. And so when evening came, the owners of the vineyard sent to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And so there will be enough with faith when we are doing Spirit's work in the world. There will be what we need to get by. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received exactly what they needed to get by. So I ask you, and your homework, how are you in service to spirit itself? Certainly you are by keeping your family and yourself safe. Certainly you are in service just, just in doing your day-to-day -day efforts in, in your own family but perhaps it's time to be in greater service. Perhaps it's time to look in your own community and, and see if there are people who need help with their shopping. Perhaps it's time to look into your own neighborhood and see if there are people struggling to get by in this difficult time. Perhaps you can be of more service. Well, I'm going to close today with a, a quote from the book and, of course, a prayer.
This is Irvin Seal, Learn to Live. And he says, life is the employer of us all. It comes like a householder into the market to hire workmen for the vineyard. Some of us are there early in the morning, eager and willing to agree with life for only a penny a day. So we go to work and we toil. And then at the end, we receive the wages we agreed upon. This is justice. Some of us, however, don't get to the marketplace until later in the day. We awaken late to the uses of the mind in our service to spirit. But the moment we are there, life is ready to employ us. Life says, go ye also into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give unto you. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one light, one love. There is only this one thing, and I call it spirit. And what I know about spirit is that it is here just to embolden me. It is here to uh, enrich me. It is here to support me and enliven me. And as it is true for me, it is true for everyone. Each one of us, when we view ourselves as a as a helper, as a servant, as a worker on behalf of spirit to bring about more life and more joy and more peace. Each of us, as we do that, are fully supported. Our daily bread is easily given, easily received. Each of us, on, on behalf of spirit, are, are hugely supported with all that we can desire as we get more of spirit's work done in the world. Each of us, that ability to give and receive. Each of us, through our uh, unique abilities, make such a contribution to this planet. Through our love, through our life, through our intelligence, through our collaborations with others. Each of us, truly a center of God consciousness. And so for this, I give great thanks. For this, I recognize in each one of us both the landholder and the laborer, each one of us, truly a joy into the world. So I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now is our time of conscious contribution. I invite you, if you like, to take your tithe or your gift. I know that some of you will be mailing it in to us today. Others might be picking up your phones or donating online. It truly makes all the difference that we keep our center open, both for the people who will be coming here in person and for the people who will continue listening online. I thank you so much for your contributions. So I have a couple treats for closing today. I have a prayer that Ernest Holmes wrote for peace of mind. And then uh, when I've finished up, we're also going to hear a lovely meditation that Catherine Richer, one of the licensed practitioners here, developed. So that'll be a pre-recorded special meditation as soon as I wrap up. So this is uh, written by Ernest Holmes, and it's a prayer for peace of mind. He says, be still and know that I am God. I am the daughter and the son of the living God within me. I am the principle of peace within me. I am the manifestation of love within me. My mind is poised in peace and beauty. 
All sense of fear or doubt is gone. I rest in calm trust. I rely on the law of spirit to bring good into my experience. I contend with none, I argue with none, and I am filled with wonderful peace and light. There's no uncertainty about my future and no fear as a result of my past. I live in the eternal now, and it is filled with good. Goodness and beauty follow me. Peace and joy accompany me. Happiness and wholeness fill my entire being with the realization of love and perfection. I am spirit, the son and daughter of the living God within me. This inner mind of mine is now divine and complete. It has no worries and no fears. It is whole, complete, and satisfied. I look back over all previous experience and find that it was good and very good. I look at the present and find that it is also good and very good. I look towards the future. Good is there also. God is in all, over all, and through all. I am the daughter and son of the living God within me. I am the spirit of confidence. I am poised in love and in reason. I am the perfect law of truth, the complete presence of beauty. I am the son and the daughter of the living God within me. And so it is. Thank you much, everyone. Have a wonderful Sunday. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.